Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. In the early morning rain. Tell me everything with John Fugelsang on Sirius XM Progress 127. Our next guest has had to deal with so many superlatives in so many interviews, having so many accolades thrown at him by interviewers like me that I thought I'll just get the beat about all the artists who've covered his work out of the way and open with Elvis. Uh, I am so thrilled to welcome Gordon Lightfoot to our program. He is Canada's greatest singer-songwriter, awarded the Governor General's Performing Arts Award, Canada's highest honor in the performing arts. His songs are, I want to say, indelible to the Canadian music landscape, but they're indelible to the music landscape of the last 50 years. Songs like Sundown, The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald, If You Could Read My Mind, he's been inducted by Bob Dylan into the Songwriters Hall of Fame, the Canadian Music Industry Hall of Fame, and even in a pandemic lockdown, he's busier than most artists. This past winter, he released his first album in 16 years solo. It is beautiful and gorgeous. And I'm telling you, the story behind the album is as wonderful as the album himself. And next month, he will be the subject of a lyrical and blunt and revealing documentary that reads between the lines of his career to reveal his passion, his influence, and more sides of him than I can believe he's showing, including interviews with Rush's Getty Lee, everyone from Anne Murray to Sarah McLaughlin to Steve Earle to Alec Baldwin. The film is called Gordon Lightfoot. If you could read my mind, it's coming out August 21st uh, digitally and August 25th on DVD. I'll recommend it more as the days grow closer as a junkie of great music documentaries. It is beautiful. You will love it. It is an honor to welcome Gordon Lightfoot to Sirius XM Progress. Hello, sir. Yeah, yes. That's a Thank lot, you. I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for indulging me. Yeah. Um, good evening. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Before I begin, I, I have to ask the obligatory question about how you're doing during the pandemic, how you and your wife and loved ones are, are faring during all this, and how you're handling the break in touring. Well, uh, we're, 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 all, we're all setting it out. We're 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 all still together. Uh, we're uh, you know family band of the the, the whole. It's, it's an all entire organizational thing that I have going with my my career. There's, yeah. all, there's all the families. There's the the, the bandsmen, the band members. Uh, uh, we're setting it out and and hoping that we get back. Yeah. I'll tell you, we. Uh, I, I think that we that we might. I'm hoping that we might be able to get back. Uh, if if any of the the venues begin to to open, but 
but of course our 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 problems are, are very small compared to the some of the problems that people are really uh, have having to to, uh, to to have happen to them right now at this time. And uh, we're we're very fortunate that we 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 can we can sit it out and and we can wait. Uh, some people can't. Some people can't wait. Mm. They have most of the people uh, are, are are getting into you know uh, dire financial need over this thing. Yeah. And uh, it it's it, to, to try to look away from the seriousness of that. Uh, it, it's a hard thing to do. It, it's a, it's a, it's a shot out of nowhere, you know. The, this yeah. whole thing. It's uh, we don't worry about it too much. We ju- we just do. We're gonna we're gonna have a rehearsal next uh, next month or uh, for a couple of days. We'll go into a recording studio and have a proper re- rehearsal run through all the stuff. And 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 uh, in the meantime, our, our practice. We we all know we got to practice. Mm. I know I certainly have to practice a little bit every day and uh and and wait and, and, and stay in shape and walk and try and uh uh stay, have, have dra- family drive bys, you know. Mm-hmm. Family <laughs> drive by. There are two or three I have four children and, and and six six grandchildren living right here in the city. Yeah. And, and you're still doing drive bys, right? You have to keep the distance. But but we're lucky, you see. We're, we're just we're just very very lucky that uh, uh, that we're not finding ourselves in, in dire straits. Yeah, uh, I love the movie, and I must say I'm not surprised to hear that you are practicing daily to get ready for rehearsals. Because if this film is about anything, it, it is about your constant commitment to the quality and craftsmanship. It's seldom to see a film that's as much about perfectionism as this is and how rewarding and painful the perfectionism can be. In in the very first scene, we see a clip of you watching yourself in the movie. And the first thing we hear you say is, I don't like myself watching an old performance footage. It was a brilliant idea to begin the film that way. What was it that told you that this was the time to do a film about your life and especially a film this revealing? Well, uh, yeah, Uh, the people who wanted to do it, they, they wanted to start doing it about, about 12 years ago. They wanted to do one. Um, I came out of, a, of, a, of an illness and fought my way back and got back on the road. And and uh, they said, let's do it now. And I said, let's wait. And then all of a sudden, about five or six years ago, I, I took a look around. And I said, look, we're still walking around. Let's do it now. And so they did. And they were, they were ready and prepared to do that. I had to... Uh, faith in them, the, the 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 two ladies who who put it together, the two producers, director who producer and director who put it together, and they just went ahead and did it. And uh, I, I participated in, in in getting it done by by being interviewed and having events at my house and putting things together. And uh, I didn't I, I didn't want to see it until it was done and. When I when I saw it, it was finished. I I, I never saw it at all. While they were, oh, really? While they were actually putting it together. What was your response when you actually saw the film? Oh well, I I said my 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 first thing I said was I don't like my myself doing this song because I'd always had a problem with this song, and yet it was it was a good presentable song, and it was actually a major major tune. It's been a major hit by Peter Paul and Mary, and mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, Ian and Sylvia had, uh, had been the first to do that, of course, and, and it was the one they wanted for the Johnny Cash section, of course, the one we did on we did on his television show. Yeah. Uh, because there was some a little bit of hijinks between the two of us, and it was good had a good entertainment quotient to it. But I didn't like the song because it was I was married at the time, and it was an insult to my wife. <laughs> That's interesting because watching the film. I kept wondering. Well, I played it. Let me just finish that. I played sure, the please. song, though, for over a long period of time, for about 18, 20 years. I had it in my show. And finally, one day I said, I'm just not going to do this anymore. And, I, and I, I didn't do it anymore. 
Wow. After that, it, and it, that was long, long gone. The past, you know, the past was far behind me on that one. When I finally decided not to do it anymore, I, I used it for fifteen, eighteen years, and every time I sang it, I thought of what a dirty, rotten son of a bitch I was in my first marriage. Wow. You know, it always reminded me of that, and, and it was true. I was like that, and I said then. And there it is, right? The very first song, front and center. That's me, being what I, what I, doing something I really hate about myself. Oh. It was the way I was living at that time, and uh, be, be, being uh, you know that marriage, of course, only lasted for seven years. I uh, I was never married again for another nineteen years after that. I mean, it's an uncommonly real scene that early in the film, but you just answered one of my questions because I've always wanted to know, do these songs still take you back to where you were when you created them or when you perform, say, if you could read my mind, is it about right now and the house you're playing to or do these songs always take you back to the circumstances of the composition? It takes you back to the, the time I wrote the song, usually. If it, it's funny, you got a feeling, oh, we never knew it was going to be a popular song either at the time, but when you write when you write something and and it becomes popular and you say, you know, where was I when I wrote that? And and every time I, I do that song, I picture myself sitting at a table with a chair in a an empty house, which is where I was uh, in an afternoon. And I and and I think about about my marriage and I think about my my children at the time and. And does it make me feel sad? No, not really. But it makes me feel feel bad about about the, some of the things I did with my in my life that that were that did emotional took an emotional toll on other people. Yeah. And when I stopped, I gave up alcohol in 1982. Uh, I, I I I realize now I'm in a, in a uh, a far this is part of part of a repentance and I, I've been like repenting repenting ever since I, I i I try never to do anything at all to offend other people i i i work i try and i and I know what happens and people in my position quite often can rub people the wrong way and i i I've tried to to learn how not to do that I want to like everybody I want to like everybody. I love that. I want that. everybody to like me, and 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 I think I was like that when I was going to school, and, and going right back into my my childhood. I, I always wanted to, to be liked, and I want to like other people too. Has that become easier to like other people and accept? I couldn't them? understand sometimes if people didn't like me why why I couldn't, and 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 uh, you know why they wouldn't like me in return, and and. It, it put me through a lot of changes when, while I was going to school and through to my adolescence. And uh, if I hadn't wound up in the business I, I was in, I, I probably would never have overcome that, that feeling of, of not being wanted and not being appreciated and, 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 and wanting so, so much to please. And, and if somebody didn't like me, I mean, it was a major, <laughs> that was a major thing to me. Yeah. Wow. That's part of why I love the film, because it is so unguarded and it yeah, reveals yeah. so much. And I think there's so many people, men and women, but really a lot of men who I wish a lot of echoes. I wish there something bad about me. I mean, hardly anybody said anything bad about me at all. I said, <laughs> God, I said, when's somebody going <laughs> to... I know. they Well, because they have all these artists that admire you interviewed, not jilted exes. Did you have a... Um, oh, did you God. have a period where you actually tried to make amends with some of these women from your past that you mentioned in the film, where you actually tried to, to do that step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know. The, the, the only person that had, had anything to... Well, Murray McLaughlin was very... He's a very smart guy. He was very objective about his his description, but the one that that, that I really loved was the one that Anne Murray... Now, Anne Murray is, is, a, is a grant. She's one of the well, our, our major Canadian artist, she's retired now. She retired a long time ago, but uh, at that time she was singing duets with uh, with Glenn Campbell, you know, on, mm -hmm. on TV. You know, she was uh, a major star. Uh, <laughs> saying that the one time when I met her, I said, I don't give a, a fuck who it is. I haven't got time to talk to her. 
<laughs> right now. <laughs> she got she managed to get that in. I, I called her and we laughed about that because we know each other quite well. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back after this. Hi there. It's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome back. You know, watching the film, the thing that really came out to me, and, and hearing in this conversation as well, that you have always been a perfectionist, both in terms of the craftsmanship and also just in terms of how you regard yourself and the material and your character and the past. And it seems like, is this self-criticism in any way part of the meticulous way of craftsman growth that you've been so committed to? Yeah, I, 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 I just hope I didn't step on anyone's toes while I was doing it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I try to, you know, I, I, I know what you mean, but, but I'm not really as, as much of, of a perfectionist, I think, as people think I am, you know. A lot of people think I'm a, say that I'm a perfectionist, but there's a good reason for that. I'm always really, really conscious of the intonation in in our instruments because, and, and I really work on that hard. So I talk about it. I've always got to be in tune. What, what I got to do is got to be perfectly in tune, and I'll tell you why. It's because I I, I love one song that, that Simon and Garfunkel had, where the tuning of the guitars just knocked me out. I just said, that's the way I want my guitar to sound on, mm. on Scarborough Fair. Do you remember the tune they did called Scarborough Fair? Sure, yeah. Well, the, the guitar tuning on that, that on that take is absolutely amazing. I agree. And, 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 and well, of course, many of their tunes, uh, uh, they, they always had that, that immaculate uh, intonation, and, and that's where my perfection is. A perfectionist thing comes in is is making sure you get the tuning right. Yeah. Well, you and know, also that's insane. really important to me, and it's important for recording and important on stage. So that's where that comes from. So much of the film is about your creative process, which I loved learning how you you go to a sequestered place and you have to get isolated so the work can begin. But as good as the film is, I have to tell you how beautiful the new album is. Uh, it's oh, called Solo, and it's. Yeah. Your first album of new music since 2004, although I realize that this music isn't all exactly new. Well, it's a, it's a grouping of, of old demos. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, that, that was sitting there, uh, that, that sat there for, for 18 years, for 20, <laughs> 20 years, uh, uh, most of it. And uh, one of them was done right fresh, right off the floor, uh, Easy Flow, Easy Flow. Yeah, done for, I did that one. I was going to do the whole lot again, and uh, uh, I, I would have if I had done that, reorchestrated the whole thing. We'd about halfway done, and the pandemic would have set in. Right, and we'd be having to wear, start wearing our masks to go to go to the studio. The only time I ever go out actually is is to walk every day, and most of the time I I stay indoors. Yeah, you know, I think that you have a lot of company. I'm part of town where there's there's space, and you can get out and walk. Like I say, my wife will be back tomorrow night with Kim, but she's got a, she's been gone four and a half months. She's got to hibernate or what what I call isolate for about seventeen days because after oh. she's been doing it for fourteen days, she 
she's got to get tested. She's already been tested uh, twice already. She's she had to go in the across the border uh, to get in, uh, and, and there, there were two tests involved in her just getting down there. And uh, she had to go to L.A. to help her mother. Oh, I see. And uh, her mother had a health issue, and would leave it at that. And uh, she's been been there four and a half months. They they came got over the got through her her mother's uh, need, and she's ready to come back now. And she's got to isolate for two weeks when she gets here. Oh, I had no idea. So, Mr. Lightfoot, you've been spending the last four and a half months more or less on your own, not able yeah, to I've rehearse been, or tour? I, I've been doing, enjoying my bachelorhood. I, you <laughs> know, I still run my own business, and I I, I run my business, too. Uh, I'm, I'm running it from, from the house right now. I have a secretary. We have an office here in town. We have an office in, in downtown here. Wow. Which, which I, don't go, I don't go near it right now. But she goes in once a week, and then she comes here after she gets the mail and goes to the bank and does all that stuff. So she she's in the office once a week, and and we're in, we're doing it like by telephone. <laughs> Has she's this got the, we've got all the equipment there. I mean, the, the computers and everything are at the office, but I'm I'm still at the telephone. I I don't even actually own a cell phone. Wow, <laughs> I guess you don't need to. I'm not proud of that, that fact either. It would be. Oh. It was like me trying to learn French in high school, you know. <laughs> do you do uh, email, sir? Do you do you email people or go on the web? Well, my secretary will do that. Or if my my wife Kim is here, she's very adept at doing it too. She actually orders my medications from California, and they get. I pick them up here in Toronto. Oh, brilliant! So. Uh, uh, but, but I want I do want to ask you before I let you go, and I thank you for doing an interview this late. Uh, has this time been valuable for you in terms of creativity, or have you have you been able to be creative or or play or practice? And, and yeah, do that yes, I do, and 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 I practice every day. I, I don't I don't knock myself out by practicing, but I practice each and every day. And are you writing? No, no, I'm not writing right now. It's not a necessary thing for me to be doing. It, it's time-consuming. I would like to do it. Yeah. Uh, for, 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 for what purpose? You know, I wouldn't want to do it if I was gonna, unless I was going to write another whole album. Right. You know, so, so I, I, my 21st album was the one that just came out on the 20th of March. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to, to listening to the new Dylan album. I ordered that one. I've got I've got that one coming here on Wednesday. I can't wait. Oh, I would love to get you back on the show just to get your thoughts on it. It's it's <laughs> it's quite a record. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to thank you because it's an honor to have you on the show for you to be in this situation of, of pandemic and separated from your wife while in lockdown for so many months. At the same time, you're releasing the first album of new music in 16 years and then prepping this really moving well, and that, gutsy that, that, documentary. That, that album came out ju- just about uh, two days after they closed the border. Oh, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> It was ready to go. We had it ready to ready to go, uh, but but it, it, it that's just the way it fell. The release date fell right in that week when they when they so all the record stores are, were, were closed by then. So I've had I've had one million three hundred thousand. Uh, what what do they call it? Streams. Streams. Right? Yeah. And not that it matters. I I don't care about but it, what it, what, but it has it's had one million three hundred thousand streams. Wow, which which makes me real happy because they show the, you know they they show the the cover and they show the lyrics and you know it's it's, but but you can't buy it. Yeah, well, so, but I don't care. The most important <laughs> thing to me was I got it out there and it's my twenty first album. You and know, it's it, beautiful. It just, I'm telling everybody there's new Gordon Lightfoot music and it's wonderful. And this film is 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 great. This film is so gutsy. It's so compassionate. It's amazing to hear the stories of you with Dylan and and Joni Mitchell and just to see how you do it, how your craftsmanship still guides you and what you call the forward momentum. I, I guess I should ask, are you going to go back on the road when this ends? But I know the answer. Oh. You can't wait to go on the road. 
Oh, absolutely. When 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 a, a venue, uh, if a venue will open somewhere, and and we don't have to break the law, we're going back on <laughs> we're going back on tour. <laughs> I, I can't mean, wait we, for that's it. what everybody's thinking. Twenty twenty one, maybe you know, and, and nobody's given up. We we just don't want any, any, any health health issues, and we're just hoping everybody stays healthy mm. and and everybody stays prepared. I'm not the only one that practices either, and and, and tries to stay in shape while this is going on. So, because I'm I'm thinking about getting back out there again. Yeah. But now, well, everything's closed. Everything's closed. The, the concert halls, the casinos. Oh, I know. The arenas, the amphitheaters, they're all, you know. I got to tell you, sir, I'm a comedian, and I had three tours planned for this year to be on the road every weekend for our presidential oh, election. Oh, you, you lost, you lost some over So you get it. Yeah. I, I completely geez. understand. Yeah. What do you do, My stand venues, up? Pardon? Do you do stand-up? I do. I'll be damned. Oh, good. Well, well, congratulations. I'm glad to meet you. <laughs> well, I mean, I used to do stand-up when I was able to do it. Now I do oh stand-up my for my God. eight-year-old child in our apartment in New York. Yeah? <laughs> I'm learning how to do it on the web. Um, this is a That's real good. pleasure. That's good. I would love to invite you back anytime if you're ever free on some evening. I should tell you, David Crosby calls our show every week, so we have good company. Brian Brian Wilson has done the show as well. We'd be honored to have you back anytime and talk more about the film. But I want to recommend to everyone to get a hold of Gordon Lightfoot's new album, Solo. It is so wonderful for your ears. And the movie is coming out next month. If we could get you back for the release, we'd love it. But it's called If You Could Read My Mind. Gordon Lightfoot, thank you for just earning your legend and all the great live performances and all the great songwriting and performances. Uh, I hope to see you on on the road really soon. Thank you for having me. What a pleasure. Be well. Peace. And we'll be right back. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on. Because you know I love it when you do. So I have to do a long, flowery introduction now. I hope you'll forgive me for this. Okay. You're not, you're not an easy person to, to intro. You know that. There's just too much to, to get to. So I'm, it is not possible to overstate the impact our next guest has had on music and the music industry. He is a singer, a songwriter, a record producer, former vice president of Motown, writer of over 4,000 songs, including just, I second that emotion, you really got a hold on me, get ready, the way you do the things you do, Tears of a Clown, the tracks of my... This is the man who wrote My Girl and My Guy, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, uh, Library of Congress Gershwin Prize, and now Smokey Robinson is releasing his first album of new original material in 14 years. It is called Gasms, and nothing will prepare you for how beautiful, soulful, spiritual, and gorgeously dirty this record is. <laughs> what a thrill, Smokey Robinson. 
Thank you so much. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> I, I, I got a gush. I wasn't prepared for how great the record is. I wasn't prepared for how beautiful your voice is and your gift of lyrical wordplay is sharper than ever. I am dazzled by the couplets you have in this song. It's once again, your songwriting and your vocals. I can't tell which is greater. What was the process that led to Gasm's coming to be because we've waited a long there was the duets record and the christmas record yeah. we've waited a long time for new music and my god you had the songs all saved up well first of all let me say you're making my day you know that don't you you're making my month man no uh well i, I wanted it to be controversial I wanted it to be. That's why uh, I, I decided uh, when when I finished the song "Gasms," I decided to name the album "Gasms," because I knew it would be controversial. Because when people think of gasms, first of all, they're going to think of orgasm. That's the first gasm they're going to think of, yes. you know. So they're going to wonder, what am I talking about, gasm? Why am I writing a song, gasms, you know? But uh, I, I decided that that would be controversial enough to just name the whole album that and put songs in there that had the leeway for people to decide what it means to them. Uh, what what does gasms mean to you? What is, what is uh, you know, I want to know your body. What does that mean to you? And uh, so I tried to leave that opening on all the songs and um, when I was done I was done I mean there has never been a song like Gasms I, I, I all right <laughs> every kind of gasm in the book you talk about <laughs> eargasms eyegasms the gasms you don't give me I don't think exist mm -hmm. I want to hear you do this song at the Super Bowl half uh, uh, all right like, like, I do too I, I assume that, that when it's a Smokey Robinson production you call the damn album whatever you want to call it but I have to ask were there any record executives who tried to talk you out of that title no man because you, you know what happens uh, I, I, I'm with a great record company I'm with a company called TLR which is a brand new company okay and, and I have uh, one of my reasons probably my main reason for doing first of all is is headed up by a guy named uh, uh, Corey Rooney, okay. who is a hell of a record producer and writer. And so so um, my main reason was the fact that he he approached me and he said, I'm going to start my label. You know, he's being uh, actually distributed by Warner Brothers, but I'm going to start my label and I want you to be my first artist. So that to me was akin to Motown, man. That was yeah. akin to when I met Barry before he started Motown. Because when you met yeah. Barry, it was like five people. Yeah, Motown, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There, 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 was like there, was no Mot there was no Motown when I met Barry. There was nothing. Yeah, there was nothing. He started Motown. I'd known him about a year and a half before he started Motown. But TLR is akin to that to me. Because when Barry started Motown, the Miracles and I were the first act that really... He signed to do because we we had some other acts we had, but they came after he had signed the Miracles and Me. Yeah, you were the first. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and and he signed a guy named Barrett Strong and uh, and uh, a couple of other artists. Uh, there was a guy named Little Willie John and his sister Mabel and stuff. So, but uh, but it, it was akin to that to me because I was on the ground floor, and I could get that concentration, you know, because I had some offers from two two of the the heavyweights in in the music, in the record business, you know. And I decided, okay, if I go with them, I'm going to be one of a thousand artists that they have, and they're trying to do even what with it, your stature. Yeah, yeah. Even yeah. With your oh, stature. absolutely. It doesn't matter nowadays, man. The statute means nothing. It's if they throw them up against the wall, whatever sticks, right. that's what they're going to yeah. promote, you know. So for me to have the opportunity to have that kind of concentration is just wonderful, and it's 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 paying off. Uh, every day now uh, because I've been doing so many promotional things that I haven't done in years and uh, everybody's geared up for it and the reaction to it has been wonderful. Do we have him to thank for this record being completed? Because it's been a long time since you put out a record. Uh, no, 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 no. I was completing it. I didn't know who I was going to go with when I okay, completed it. Yeah. I had no idea. I, you know, after I completed it, I took him and I, and I played some of the cuts for him you know, and, uh, and, and he liked them. And actually, the the one uh, how you make me feel, like I said, he's a hell of a record producer, yeah. and I I just took the song to him and I played it for him on a tape, and uh, I said do do what you do, and he put a sound on it that I didn't expect, you know he's got like the Moog bass and all that, you know I I, I just did not expect his sound construction that was my question yeah. like when you went into the studio did you have a sense of how these would sound or were you just going to build them and see what they turned into no 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 most of them I had a sense of what it was but not that one because I knew he was who he is uh, what the producer that he is and all that and I wanted to see what he would do 
I wanted to hear, said, I wanted to hear what he would do. And um, so I, I was very satisfied and very happy with what he did with it. And um, Where did you record and who was the band? Oh, well, I, 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 since I record, see, my, my musicians live all over the country. Yeah. You know, but since I record in L.A. most of the time, I have guys that I've been using for years, yeah. and so I, I just call them. And my 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 arranger and my my my, my main um, producer and arranger guy that I work with is a guy named David Garfield, and David is a is a great jazz musician himself. He has albums out himself, you know, but he's just such a musical guy. So he has a he has a studio at his house, and we go and we put stuff down there, and then we'll we'll many times go to a a major studio, to actually do the the track recording and and those things like that. However, when I do the track recordings, I always like to be there and sing while they're playing, yeah. because it's like the old days when you're in the studio, you, you sing while they're playing rather than doing the track and then going and overdubbing and stuff. Exactly. Now I admit that. No, I'll listen like to it. We're making music in the same room on this record. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's what's happening. And 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 I now I'll listen to it. And if I hear something in the track, I'll go and overdub it or or, or do it again or something like it. Vocally, I go and I and I do them. You know, after I've recorded them in the studio, if I hear something that I want to do vocally, I'll, I'll go and redo it and redub it and stuff. And uh, especially uh, the the first uh, single from this album is uh, "If We Don't Have Each Other." Um, I, that track was sent to me by a young man who used to sing with me, and he had an idea, and uh, he had the first verse and and a, and, a, and a chorus, but his chorus was saying, "If we don't have love," he had made it a sort of like I, I don't want to say political, but it was for the world. Come together, let's have love for each other. And the first part of it, he had infringed on a very popular song's melody, so I had to change that. And then the track, because he had recorded it with some guys, he just a home studio track. It took me a year to tear that track apart and put it back together. See, and and take the the best parts and then add some stuff but to you it. Love and do that, it. Right? That gives oh you yeah, man. Love yeah, I, I do. I really do. But uh, you know, that's how I work. And uh, when I when I was satisfied uh, with all the tracks that they were okay, this is the best I can give this. Then I put them together, and and it's the Gasms album. It's a very romantic album. It's a very Thank you. sexy album. It's it's a it's a deeply, in the best sense of the word, dirty record. And, and I thank you. I was listening to this, thinking that the greatest poetry combines the sacred and the carnal. Reeks, <laughs> Henry Miller, Bessie Smith. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot yeah, of man. soul. There's a lot of spirit, and there's a lot of body on this record. And I'm curious if that's sort of what what your spirituality is. If the the sexual and the divinity go hand in hand for you. Well, yeah, because uh, you know, I um, I, I wanted it to be a, a record that people could put on and make love. Hell yeah! Yeah, you did it. You know, I wanted it to be that, <laughs> and yeah, uh, it, it's very important to me. You know, especially at my age, man. You know, I I hear people all the time, and they're talking about. Well, gosh, you know, I don't think about sex anymore. I'm 60 years old. My God, uh, 60 years old. You don't think worst? about that's that's that, that's awful thing. I mean, you know. Sex is still a huge part of my life, man. I'm 83, but I, I, I've never lost the, the urge for sex and, and, and intimacy and those things like that because I think it's a huge part of life. Yeah. I, I feel sorry for people who don't experience that, man. And and, and when I hear people talking about they're 60 years old and they don't think about sex, man, what was wrong with you? What happened to you that you know that happened to Jobs you that soon? Kids yeah, yeah, absolutely, you're man. You're a poet. Maybe it's easier for you. Well, to I, I don't know what it is, but I've never stopped loving sex and and thinking about it and and wanting to have it, yeah. you know, and and doing those things like that because. I, I just, you know, it's, well, like you said, it's probably a part of me. I love probably, that you're saying this. Yeah, and, 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 and I think it's a very important part of life. You know, I, I feel sorry for people who don't experience it anymore because it's a huge part of life. I think if you, you know? want world peace, and there's an ancient story, and I, and I think it's true because it was it was taken out of the Bible, but it, there was this minister, he was, he was a, a, a priest at the time, and before he became a priest, he was a player. And he had a lot of women and had all that, you know. And then he becomes a priest and he decides that sex is supposed to be taboo. And he started to preach that. And people accepted that. 
sex is taboo. You know, it's one of the great sins and all that. That's bullshit, as none far as I'm concerned. Absolutely not. All Paul. Absolutely not. Jesus. Yeah, well, Paul was another advocate of that. Yeah, he you know, was a very upright well, guy. yeah, he was uptight. But see, you have to where, where, where Paul came from. Paul was a murderer. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So he came from that. Exactly. So that, that do thing. As I say, so he not yeah, as I did. exactly. Exactly. So he was calling himself repenting, putting all this stuff together like that, you know. But Paul was a murderer. Yeah, Paul. Had you know. So answer. yeah, yeah. So he, so he, he, he called himself repenting, and you know, and, and even when they crucified him, he said, "Please do it upside down," because he didn't want, you know, be crucified like Jesus. But he had to do a total about face being Paul, and so he started to preach that sexual thing too. Oh, yeah. You know, sex is a natural part of our lives. God put sex in us. Thank you. That's why he made the man different than the woman. I think the you know, denial of that is, is, is absolutely I'm, I'm ludicrous as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. You know, so that's a huge part you of our lives. You and are like the only yeah. men who get this. Oh. <laughs> I doubt if we're the only men who well, get it. <laughs> maybe the only great, the only great recording artist over at yeah. Katie who get this. Yeah, you know. But, this but, song, uh, I Want to Know Your Body, is, is an amazing song. It is dreamy, it is romantic, it is filthy, and the vocal is astonishing. Thank you. I mean, what do you think when you hear auto-tune? Does it just... I, 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 I don't use it because it, it kind of adds a kind of kind of a, an artificial thing to a vocal to me, you know? So I, I will sing a song a hundred times before I use it because it, it, it like I said, there's an artificial thing to it, That's you know? Right. Now, there's one thing that they do, the vocorder, that I kind of like. I like that on certain songs, you know? There's a song called I Want to Be Your Man mm -hmm. that he used the vocorder on, and I've always been curious. I've always wanted to do that, but I just don't think people would accept that from me, but I love that sound. But uh, but but the auto-tuner, it, it, it has a bit of, uh, like, artificial yeah. stuff it's, to the vocal cool, to me, you, yeah. You also, you hit the falsetto, you have all the tricks we love, but you go to some deep places with your voice. <laughs> on this record. You go gravelly in ways right. I've never heard you do, but you go deeper than mm -hmm. I've ever heard you go before, and it just sounds like you're having fun. I am, man. I am having fun. I can't wait to see what comes next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Can I ask a few random things? Do you remember the first time you ever heard Aretha Franklin play piano. Yeah, I remember the first time I ever heard Aretha Franklin play the piano because I was eight years old. And she was about six and uh, they had just moved to Detroit. And one of our closest friends, a guy named Richard, bought her brother, Cecil, around. We were playing outside and he bought Cecil around, you know. And Cecil, they had just moved to Detroit from Buffalo. And so we were curious. We were okay, man, what, where's your house? And we went to see his house. And we went in there. Um, his house was very plush because his father was Rich, I mean, they were, comparatively speaking, because his father was one of the biggest ministers in the country, Reverend C.O. Franklin. So, yeah. uh, uh, in the in the middle, this is this is my block right here, and this is the other block for the ghetto, and in between, there are two blocks, right in, in the center of the ghetto, called Arden Park and Boston Boulevard. And they lived on Boston Boulevard, so we went around to his house, and it was all plush and had great stuff in it. You know, our houses were boarded up damn near, you know. But uh, so anyway, and um, I hear music. I hear somebody playing the piano, and I hear this young girl singing. I think somebody's playing the piano for her to be singing, but she's really singing. Amazing Grace, just singing her butt off. And she sounds like she's about five or six years old, but she was. I go peek in. It's Aretha. She's playing the piano. She's singing Amazing Grace. 
She's playing the piano damn near and singing damn near like she was when she was grown. She's about six years old. So yeah, I remember the first time I heard her play the piano because that was it. That was the first time I heard her play the piano and she could really play it. Do you remember the first time you heard the Beatles cover of You Really Got a Hold On Me? Yes, I do. I remember the first time I heard it. What was your response? My response was, thank God. It's, uh, oh, this is wonderful. This is incredible. Here are the Beatles, and they had become the Beatles at that point. Yeah. Okay? And here they are, as great a writers as they are, as that they have in their band, in a group. They're going to sing one of my songs? Hey, man, I can't beat that. Especially from somebody like the Beatles. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't beat that. How could I, how could I, how, as a songwriter, how could that make me anything but elated and happy? Here are these guys who are great songwriters themselves and they're the top group on earth and they're singing one of my songs. Hey man. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I always thought, did the miracles a real disservice? Do you feel that they tried to make it right? Do you feel like they 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 made it right by the miracles? Um, well, I, I know, see, I was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame long before the miracles yeah. were. And uh, so I always thought that they should be you in the rock and roll front of it. Yes, I did. Seen with the E Street Band. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. I lobbied for it because I always felt like they should be there because the Miracles, as far as I'm concerned, were one of the innovative groups in popular music because we had Motown behind us and we had we were on the ground floor of Motown and the music that we started making at Motown changed the face of music at that point. See, um, Dr. Martin Luther King came to Motown to record his I Have a Dream speech, you know, and that's on Motown. And he came and he said, you guys are doing with music what I'm trying to do politically, what I'm trying to get laws passed to do to have people come together. You're doing it with music. So that's what we were doing, man. We bring, uh, we, I, I, I've told the story a thousand times, but uh, when we first started Motown, we had been in business for maybe a year or so. We were still local. We were only in Detroit, Lansing, and, and Flint. So at that point, at that time, there were areas in Detroit where you could not go being black. If you were black and you were in those areas, you better have something on you to say you're working for somebody or you have some legitimate reason for being in that neighborhood. If you were just in the neighborhood, the cops saw you, they would arrest you. They would, you know, maybe beat you up, you know, for being in those areas, okay? Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? So we started to get letters from the white kids in those areas saying, we got your music and we love it. Our parents don't know that we have it because if they did, they might make us get rid of it. But we love your music. We were young. We didn't think to save those. There's not a price you could even put on a letter like that nowadays. If I still had one of those letters, it'd be like me having some old Marvel comic books, you know, which I, I, I did have. And I would have a million dollars worth of comic books if I had saved my comic books, you know what I mean? But those letters are like that. And we started getting them. And they were loving our music. Years or later, we started getting letters from the parents in those areas. Hey man, we found out the kids were listening to your records. We wanted to see why, what they were listening to. We love your music. Thank you. Those letters would be invaluable. But that's, we were breaking down barriers. Yeah. And we were, bring, we were bringing people together who hadn't even thought about it. The Motown label gets so much credit for what they did for music, but I don't think they've ever given the label credit for what they did for race relations in this country. Ooh, probably not. I think the Civil Rights Act of 64 happened earlier than it would have because of that music. I, I, I agree with you. We would go to the South, man. We first started going down there, the audiences, the audiences would be separated. Yeah. The audiences were totally, you know, segregated white people on this side black people on this side white people upstairs black people downstairs or vice versa not even looking at each other okay so then we started going there we started doing shows and making music go back a year later and the ropes were down and the barriers were down and white boys had black girlfriends and black boys had white girlfriends and they were all dancing together and they were doing because they had a common love they had that music and it gave them something in common that they could say oh we like this too let me, let me see what you're about, what's, what's your name, how you function, because you like the same music I like, why? So, yeah. I was, um, I was playing around on YouTube and I found a, a clip I'd never seen before of late night at the recording of We Are The World. Uh, 
where somehow everyone started singing the Banana Boat song yes. for Harry Belafonte. Yes. And you are there with your 80s hair right in front of Bob Dylan with his 80s hair. And yes. It's everyone singing Deo mm. to Harry Belafonte. And I always heard that his music influenced the first songs you were writing for Mary Wells. Absolutely. Absolutely. Harry, first of all, was a wonderful man, and the world's going to miss him. And even though I, I didn't realize he was 96, but even though he was 96, he was so influential, and um, it seemed too soon yeah. for him to be gone, you know. But uh, he, he was a great person, and, and he was a person that I loved. I got a chance to meet him early on in life, and he treated me like he had known me all of his life the first time I met him, you know, like I was his son, or he was just a great person. And he was so powerful. He was a powerful person. He was, I, and when I want to say powerful, I mean here, mentally and emotionally. He was emotionally. Very strong too. Yeah, he was very strong. But he was one of our leaders as black people for the civil rights movement. He was one of our main leaders and he was just a great man. So uh, I think, you know, I'm, I'm so happy that I got a chance to know him. I really am. And, and I'm uh, so happy that he influenced it, all those great Mary Wells songs. Yeah, yeah, me too, man. But I, I, was, I, was, I was actually watching uh, TV one night. He was on Ed Sullivan. And he was singing the Banana Moat song. And I saw it and I was getting ready to start recording Mary. And I wanted to, I was thinking about where I was going to take her uh, musically, you know. I wanted to do something different with her because she had a record called Bye Bye Baby, which was her uh, uh, debut song for Motown that she had written. And uh, so when Barry told me, he said, I want you to do some music on her. Let's do an album. Do I wanted to take her somewhere that nobody had been. So I was watching Ed Sullivan, and he's on it singing the Banana Boat song, and a flash hit me. That's what I'm going to do. I want to make her the Calypso Mama of R&B. So I recorded her first records with the Kungas and the Bongos and the, that kind of feeling on it, you know, because of Harry Belafonte. You're going to be out on the road. You're always on the road. Um, are you looking forward to adding songs from Gasms to the live set? Uh, we've already added, uh, if we don't have each other, yes. And uh, I'm waiting for my conductor now. He's doing uh, the arrangement for um, um, How You Make Me Feel. Nice. And we're going to put that in, too. And as we go along, yeah, I plan on and all of those eventually. Yeah. I, I just, I want to thank you so much for joining us. But even more so, I can't tell you how much it means to me to have, just to have a man of your stature who's given us so much to put out a record now and to have it be of this high quality it just you're you're raising my game you're raising everybody's game and honestly I think you got a bright future I can't wait to see what comes next thank you very much <laughs> from your mouth to God's ears okay thank you Liz <laughs> thank you Smokey Robinson let's get some applause in the room I've enjoyed it so much thank you baby